Okay. All right. We're continuing on with our discipleship training. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. What a journey has been thus far, huh? You know? Yeah. You know, we've been traveling through. Um, I pray that you've uh you've learned some things along the way. You know, by at this point, you should you should at least be at the point to where you don't see scripture the same. Mm -hmm. You know, you should you should be able to discern, you know, some stuff. You know, and, um, so we're just gonna continue on with with our training as as before. Um, as always, you know, y'all's giving me this poem to start off each lesson, and it's called The World of Scripture on there. Mm -hmm. It says, Welcome to my world, place where the natural eyes can't see, where your physical bodies can't be, where the last is first, the first is last, the end is told from the beginning, when it appears as though one is losing, they're actually winning. Where trumpets are depicted as voices and the persecuted righteous don't complain, but actually rejoices. Here, swords are likened to the word, or demons are burned, the dead are yet alive, the living are actually dead, blood and flesh are even depicted as wine and bread. It's a place where in the humble are depicted as poor and the poorer one becomes, they're later found to be that much richer. I'm speaking of no other place but the awesome world of scripture. So please turn off your phones, perk up your ears and get ready to listen. Whatever our congregation is about to begin teaching. Hallelujah. So we're still talking about Abram, you know, the exalted father. Amen. Amen. All right. Now I have a confession to make. Today we're going to be talking about Abram and Melchizedek. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He 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 nudged me last week like, do not do Melchizedek, <laughs> you know, because I really didn't do Melchizedek. It was just what I had already done of Melchizedek prior to from one of the prior lessons. Now, I did tweak it a bit, but I didn't really dig into it. And even when I was getting ready to do it, I think I even probably said, you know, like I should stop right here. You know, at least, you know, that's what yeah, I was telling you. But no, nah, I kept it going and uh, and we ran through it. And so now I gotta go back. So I think y'all was a little, a little upset with me. Uh, so so we're doing Auburn and Mel Kez Dick again. And we are. Take two. Take that. <laughs> All right. So Genesis 4.18. It says in Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. And he was the priest of the most high Elohim. All right. So hereby we learn that Melchizedek, the priest of the most high Elohim, you know, um, it just off the rip, it teaches us that he's a royal priest. Because he's a king and a priest. Mm -hmm. Hence, you know, that makes him a royal priest, right? Mm -hmm. You know, exactly the kind that Yah will later promise Israel that they'd become, mm -hmm. right? See in Exodus 19, 5 and 6, it says, Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. But ye are chosen. Oh, I'm sorry. First <laughs> keep us 2 9 also bear witness. It says, Ye are a chosen generation, 
a royal priesthood and holy nation. Now we see that he's quoting Exodus 19 mm -hmm. and hence he calls it a royal priesthood because that's what a kingdom of priests is, a royal king priesthood, right? Mm -hmm. You know, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, I want you to also take hold of verse five, take note rather in verse five, you know, this big little word right here mm. that I have bold in the underline. That's a big little word. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, in other words, this is a conditional promise. You know, that's how covenant goes. You know, it's like if, if I keep my end of the bargain, then you keep your end of the bargain. You keep your end of the bargain, I keep my end of the bargain. But if you don't, then I will that's a condition right mm -hmm. you know so I just want to point that out because so many people think they're you know that y'all love them unconditionally that's mm -hmm. a lie from the pit of Hades mm -hmm. if he loved you unconditionally then he, he wouldn't have gave you any instructions to better you mm -hmm. say lie hmm. you know uh, okay so we also hereby learn that he reigns over two kingdoms, righteousness and shalom. You know, we see he's a king over righteousness just from his, from his name, Melchizedek, which means king of righteousness. Mm -hmm. You know, and he's the king of shalom or salem, if you, if you prefer, you know, which is the Arabic version. All right. So. Why did Israel want kings over them? Why do people want kings over them? What did they hope to gain by having a king? They did want to be like everyone else. But why did everyone else want kings? Protection. Yes, yes, that's absolutely one aspect. Leadership. <laughs> leadership. <laughs> leadership. Um, well, before we get into that, let me let me point something out. You know, okay, so we see like, you know, these two kingdoms. Okay, I'm not gonna get into that right now. All right. We're gonna keep it moving. All right, so why did why did people want kings over them? Well, the answer is given to us in, in scripture, especially concerning Israel. It's found in 1 Samuel 8, 19, and 20. Let me have my first reader read 1 Samuel 8, 19, and 20. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, nay, but we will have a king over us that we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Hmm. Mm -hmm. yep. Now, now, uh, can you see, can you see that this is, this is uh, exactly what Yah was proclaiming to be you know, um, is uh, for Abraham and sending Melchizedek, king of Salem, to him. Yeah. Can you see that? Yeah. You know, 
Uh, first, as uh, someone pointed out, they wanted to be like anybody else. Yeah. That's why they wanted to have a king, right? They wanted to be like anyone else. But then they, they wanted their king, they wanted a king that may judge them. You know, so in other words, you know, from the king's judging comes justice, you know, which is uh which is uh congruent with righteousness, you know, and to go out and fight, fight their battles so that they if, if someone else was fighting your battles, if someone else was was warring for you, then you would have what? Peace. Can you see that? Yep. So can you see like this is the same thing that we're talking about? Yep. Melchizedek, King of Salem. You know, okay. You know, that's that that was that was just a little extra. All right. So we're talking about a king over two kingdoms. King of righteousness and a king of peace. You know, what is what is a kingdom? A place where the king rules or reigns. Absolutely. You know, so we're talking about the king of righteousness and the king of peace. You know, so wherever righteousness is, that's where he rules. Wherever peace is that's where he rules but we're talking about a certain type of righteousness because we're talking about a certain type of representative so what type of representative are we talking about the representative of whom yeah. of yah the most high right mm -hmm. you know so we're talking about the righteousness that comes from whom yeah yeah the most high mm -hmm. and when we're talking about peace Likewise, we yeah. talk about the peace that come from up from on high, right? Yep. Yeah. You know, because yeah. there is a righteousness that comes from below, mm -hmm. that comes from the earthly realm, is there not? Yeah. Yeah. We call it laws, right? Laws and regulations, mm -hmm. you know, statutes and ordinances, right? right? You know, that made that's made from people below, people on the earth. You know, and there's a peace that comes from below. Amen. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, and so I don't want you to confuse the two because the righteousness that come on from on high isn't necessarily synonymous with the righteousness that come from below. Absolutely. And the peace that comes from on high is absolutely not <laughs> synonymous with the peace that come from below. Yep. All right. Yeah. Right. Now. We're going back to the early days of the discipleship course. You know, anyone remember our makeup? Anybody remember that we're dual in nature? Even as Lou Tobacco here? <laughs> Wherever he may be. But, <laughs> but even as he, we're dual nature. What's our two natures? Heavenly and uh, heavenly and earth, yes, we have a heavenly nature and we have an earthly nature, amen. Mm -hmm. I know nobody gonna get this, but I'm asking, 
What's another way of saying that? Huh? Another another way of saying, you know, having a heavenly nature and an earthly nature. Celestial and terrestrial. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hallelujah. Barack is moving around here. You know, celestial and terrestrial. In other words, have, um, you know, spiritual and physical. Amen? Amen. You know, and so you have to understand that, you know, we are dual nature. We have a heavenly, we have a heavenly nature and we have an earthly nature. We have a spiritual or celestial nature and we have an, an earthly or terrestrial nature. You know, our celestial nature or spiritual nature represents that part of us that's within. Our earthly nature or fleshly nature represents that part of us that everyone can see without. You know, everybody follow me? Yeah. Do you know that you can separate the two natures? Do you know that one is temporal and the yes. other is eternal? Yes. Mm -hmm. Amen. Or at least can be, <laughs> you know. Amen. Amen. You know, you have to remember these concepts because you know they, you know, they 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 go throughout scripture. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So, you know, I want you to see that because. You know, Melchizedek, king of, of, of Salem, you know, is simply, you know, he's the king of that heavenly nature. And the king, well, he, he wants to be the king of that heavenly nature and king of that earthly nature, you know, for us. You know, but we don't have to choose him to be our king. We can choose someone else to be our king, even as Israel chose someone else to be their king. Did they not? Yes. Mm -hmm. So we have a choice in the matter. Yep. You know, so I just want to point that out. All right. So verse 18, you know, um, let's talk about Melchizedek, you know, King of righteousness, you know. Um, let me have my next reader read Deuteronomy 6, 24, 25, Philippians 3, 7 through 9, and 1 John 3, 7, please. Deuteronomy 6, 24, and Yahuwah commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear Yahuwah our Elohim, and for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do these commandments before Yahuwah our Elohim, as he has commanded us. Philippians 3, 7 through 9. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Messiah. Yea, doubtless I count all things, but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Messiah, Yahushua my Adonai, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dumb, that I might win Messiah and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Messiah, the righteousness which is of Elohim by faith. First John 3, 7, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Hallelujah. Okay, so I pray that you can see that when it comes to Israel's righteousness, 
that is the righteousness from on high. Mm -hmm. It's always been and always will be something Israel is to do. You know, so those folks who are trying to tell you that you're made righteous, you know, by saying a few words and by believing something, you know, they are lying to you. Mm -hmm. Righteousness is, has always been and always will be something you have to do. Hence, it speaks to our earthly nature. It speaks to our earthly nature, our fleshly nature, because, you know, you can see if one is acting righteously. Amen? Yes. You know, it's, it, you, you'll always be able to see that. You'll always be able to see that, you know, because it requires action. You know, it's not A-U-T-O-Matic. It is not, you know, um, void of your participation. You know, so it's, it's connected to commandments, statutes, you know. And so it doesn't matter if we're talking about, you know, the uh, Torah, or if we're talking about the righteousness, um, Yahshua's commandments, the righteousness that came from him, which is a faith. Uh, uh, which is an Elohim by faith, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You know, it's still involves some things you have to do. Mm -hmm. All right? Yes. You know, so mm -hmm. when we talk about the king of Salem or the king of Shalom, the king of peace, you know, we look at Leviticus 7.14, it says that of it he shall offer one out, one out of the whole oblation for an heave offering unto Yahuwah. It, is, it shall be the priest's that sprinkle of the blood of the peace offerings. And then consider 2 Kings 16, 13. It says, and he burnt his burnt offering and his meat offering and poured his drink offering and sprinkled the blood of his peace offerings upon the altar. So I want you to take note that the that peace is associated with sacrifice and blood. You know, and the reason I point that out is because whenever you 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 get you do sacrifice, there will be blood. Amen. You know, and so the peace offering of Elohim is associated with sacrifices and it's associated with blood. And blood to the ancients always represented anybody? Life. The soul, yes. Life, yes. And both of those terms are synonymous in the ancient mind. Soul meant life. It's synonymous in scripture, too. You know, this is why Yah tells us that life is in the blood. Yeah. So you see, you know, they were inseparable. You know, and so, you know, uh, hence we we see now we see that it speaks of the peace offerings representing sacrifice and representing blood, you know, which re represents the life. And so, and this is actually what you're what you're giving Yah, or what you're, you know, when you offer a sacrifice unto Yah, you're saying, I'm giving you my life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do you understand that yeah. you're saying you know I'm sacrificing my flesh to you and I'm giving you my life the flesh of course represents the flesh of the animal you know and the blood represents the life of the animal mm -hmm. you know and what you're doing is you're substitu substituting the flesh of the animal for your flesh. Mm -hmm. 
and the blood of the animal for, for your blood or your life, your, your soul. You understand? Yeah. You know, now I want you to also understand that when we talk about the soul or we're talking about the life, you know, this spokes, the, um, that speaks to a person's mind, it's, you know, or their heart, as it oftentimes is, it says in scripture. You know, and hence we see in Philippians 4, 7, it says, and the peace of Elohim, which passed of all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Mashiach Yahushua. Now, we know that this is a different type of peace than the world has, right? <laughs> you know, this peace of Elohim that passed of all understanding, the earth don't have, you know, and it says, it shall keep your hearts and your minds, you know, now. Uh, all right. Um, you know, now oh, I forgot to read my caption. It says, take note that peace associated with sacrifice and blood. I said that part, but hits the brick out of shower in the New Testament associates it with the heart and the mind, i.e., the fountain and the system. Mm. Okay, you know, uh, what the heck are we talking <laughs> about? The fountain and the system. Yeah. Well, this is why, you know, um, the heart was considered the fountain of blood. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for obvious reasons, because it pumped the blood, right. you know? So, you know, it was considered the fountain of blood and the liver was considered the system mm. because it was associated with where the, uh, the blood pooled you know, because it was a filter, mm. it, it filtered the mm. blood, but, you know, but it was a slow process, and people, you know, in times past, thought the liver was just simply congealed blood. Mm. They thought it was, that's all it was, mm. you know, because it kind of looked like that, mm. you know, but, you know, so this is what's being represented by the heart and the mind, you know, the liver spoke to the part of the mind that dealt with the um, emotions. It was the seat of the emotions, you know, where where the uh, heart, you know, uh, was, you know, that the, the part of you that where you just, you know, that's you essentially that, you know, your thinking capacity, so on and so forth, you know. All right. Uh, and then we have Colossians 315 and let the peace of Elohim rule in your hearts yet again, to which also ye are called in one body and be ye thankful. All right. So here it is. We see Melchizedek. We see he's a king over two, two. He reigned over two kingdoms. He reigned over kingdom of righteousness as well as the king, kingdom of Salem. And Salem deals with the inner you or the heavenly nature of you. And the righteousness deals with the outer you, i.e. The, um, the, the lower nature of you or the earthly nature of you. Anybody with me? Mm -hmm. All right. Bless you. Genesis 14, 18 through 20, my next reader, please. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was priest of the Most High Elohim. 
And he blessed him and said, Let him be Abram of the Most High, Elohim, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed he, and blessed be the Most High, Elohim, which has delivered thine enemy into thy hand. And he gave him uh, tithes to Allah. Hallelujah. Okay, so I have, you know, in ancient times, the covenant of bread and wine were two distinct covenants. You know, so this is what is being presented here, you know, uh, by the representative that is the priest of the Most High Elohim, you know, bringing forth bread and wine. You know, the covenant of bread in ancient times was temporary, and it spoke to one's pledge of hospitality. It secured a truce and, bring, and, and brought one into family status. Hence, it also uh, promises nourishment. You know, so in other words, you know, it it kind of like brought you into the tribe. You know, so you were allowed, you were allowed in the tribe, you was allowed in, in or in the tribe or in the household. And, you know, uh, when they ate, you ate, they were going to take care of you. You know what I'm saying? You know, and so, you know, this this spoke spoke to, you know, the nourishment. You know, they was gonna make certain that, you know, that you were you were physically okay, that they were gonna nourish you and they was gonna take good care of you while you was with them. Amen. You know, now so in other words, Yah was giving Avram an invitation into his family or tribe and promise him nourishment as long as he stayed. Oh. You know, as long as you as long as you stay, stay, stay with me, you know, then you know, you know, I'm gonna make sure you meet. You know, you're gonna you're gonna be all right. You know, as far as as far as that goes, you're gonna have have nourishment, you know, and you're gonna be treated, you know, kindly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now the covenant of blood, on the other hand, was more of a personal and individual covenant. It secured a vital union and it gave life. It was permanent. You know, now, hereby we see y'all also giving Abram an invite to enter what is um, what was called in ancient times a covenant of friendship. You know, and, and so, you know, this is why later on in the scripture, you see that Abram was... Um, you know, was referred to as the friend of Elohim. Amen. You know, so, you know, the covenant of blood was personal and individual. So like you could have entered into the covenant of bread. And so you were, you were, you were in the tribe, you know, you know, so you was in the tribe. So you was hanging out with Israel, for for instance, you know, and so, you know, you know, you were in the tribe of Yahuda or wherever. You know, and so, you know, we make everybody make sure that you was nourished and took good, good care of you, you know, but that didn't promise you a friendship or a relationship. You, you understand? You know, so that didn't promise you a friendship with anyone. So just because you were there, that didn't mean nobody was going to befriend you. That didn't mean that you was going to necessarily befriend anyone else. You know, you just, you know, within our midst. And so, you know, you treating you with hospitality and kindness you know anybody can anybody see that see that picture you know you know so i want you to be able to see that because you know guys you know uh also 
extending the invite to Abram to enter into a covenant of friendship, you know, and this covenant of friendship, this is what a blood covenant was, you know, and this is what is meant by him giving life. This is what the blood represented. The blood represented his life, you know. So in other words, you know, I'm giving, I'm giving you, I'm giving you life, you know. And so, like when one entered into a blood covenant, you know, and they partook of the blood of someone else, you know, they they were actually partaking of the life of someone else. And so what you had was it, what it what it became was was one soul or um you know one uh two souls in one body so to speak you know and and so you know that is kind of kind of what you have you know um yah said i will give you life you know i will give you i will give you my soul you know i will give you you know i will enter into you in other words can you see that you know or he's giving them the opportunity for him to enter into it you know and so you know but the thing is, is this was permanent this was a permanent uh uh covenant you know the covenant of bread was as long as you hung out you know um with them but you know that could have been temporary you know i'm only gonna be here for a month or i'm only gonna be here for for a year what happened you understand so it was temporary you know hence it speaks to the earthly covenant which is temporary because we're only going to be here temporarily in the flesh right yeah. you know but this blood covenant it was permanent and so it speaks to the eternal covenant that we have with yah or that we can't have with yah you understand yeah. you know um and so it secured a vital union. So now this is this is now we have a union, you know, where you know his soul and my soul are intertwined to become one soul, you know. So he's he's in this body with me, you know. So now we're personal. We have an intimate relationship, you know. We have an individual relationship, you know. He he, he becomes my friend. I become his friend. You see the difference? Yeah. You know, now it's important to understand that these invites weren't the covenants themselves. You know, and and that's something that's 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 really important to see. They're not the covenants themselves. They're they're the representation of the covenants. Hence, they're the invites. Mm. You know, they're the invitation. So understand that the bread and the wine represents the invitation, you know, and only there are only invitations to covenant. And the victory Yah gave Abram was his proffer or his proof of sincerity. So, you know, here it is when he gave, when he gave him uh that victory over those kings and allowed him to get, get lot. Back, you know, that was his proof showing them, you know, <clears throat> hey, I'll be with you. You know, I I'm serious about this. Mm -hmm. You know, 
And when Abram uh, tied, that was his acceptance, his acceptance of the invitation. You know, so the offer was made, and then you had an, an acceptance of the offer, of the offer. You know, but that's all that was. And, you know, y'all showed me that uh, today, you know, for the longest of time, I thought that was the actual covenant, but it's not. That's the invitation. Hmm. The, the actual covenant comes later. Actually, it comes, one of them comes in the next chapter. Yeah. And then we have another one that comes, I believe, in chapter 17. You know, so, you know, and, and what covenants are these? These are the covenants of bread and the covenants of, of um, wine. Mm -hmm. In other words, this is an earthly covenant and a heavenly covenant. Mm -hmm. you know, or an, a covenant that addresses both of our natures, mm -hmm. if you want to put it that way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I thought that was pretty huge. Yeah. You know, yeah. I pray you can see that. Yeah. You know, um, then we have verses 21 through 24. And I'm going to try this again. If y'all make me go over it again next week, then you know why. Um, <laughs> you know, but the king of Sodom said unto Abram, give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up mine hand unto Yahuwah, the most high Elohim, the possessor of heaven and earth. And I want to just point out that, you know, because this is the way it has to go. And so I want to point this out, what Abram did. You know, Abram you know, uh, petition Yah, you know, and, you know, he, he petitioned Yah, and he swore unto Yah, you know, he made a vow to him, if you do this, then I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I'm going, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to do something, you know, and what he said, you know, that he that he would do was not take a thread even to a shoe latchet and that he would take nothing, anything that that um, that was the spoils of that of that victory, mm -hmm. you know. And then he goes on to say, lest thou should say I've made Abram rich. Mm -hmm. Save only that which the young men have eaten and the portion of the men which went with me on there as go and marry. Let them take their portion, mm -hmm. you know. <clears throat> So I pray that you can see that this speaks to spiritual Sodom, you know, which uh, is Jerusalem, you know, and its king, which uh, its king speaks to the king and priest of um, that, that set Jerusalem and how Yahushua, our exalted father, won't take any but those servants which are fruitful and those that are strong or fat, you know. And just giving you a picture of who will be able to go with God in the end. Servants, the fruitful, and the ones who are strong with that. So I'll have for you today. Pray with a blessing. Oh, yeah. Yeah.